Welcome to the Midtown Church Weekly Podcast, hosted by lead pastors Cassie and Alex Farron. Midtown Church exists to reveal the kingdom of Jesus together in Kansas City. This podcast explores ways in which we can become more like Jesus, reveal the places he is already working, and ultimately renew the reputation of the local church. Welcome to the Midtown Church Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. I am one of the pastors at Midtown Church. And today I have the joy and honor of being joined by a dear friend, Joshua Knowles. Uh, Joshua and I met back in like 2009 as high schoolers. So I think I was a freshman and you were a sophomore and got to know each other through high school, became um, incredibly close friends. And uh, now we are a decade later doing ministry kind of in different states and at different stages. Um, but Joshua uh, sits on the board of the National Association of Social Workers in Oklahoma. He just recently helped um, the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma start an overflow homeless shelter in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, he's just all around a uh, guru and a um, just a a dear friend that I look to when it comes to issues of social work and um, political realities. And so you are just about to graduate. You're like less than a month away um, from your bachelor's in social work. And then you're going to continue on with a master's. Is that correct? Yeah, that is the plan. That is the plan. Um, These last few years have been wild, but a huge honor. Um, I'm really grateful that I got to like do social work before they're like here's your diploma because you know it's kind of like do you really deserve this yes let's let's find out first and so I really yeah yeah you've gone trial by fire (laughs) (laughs) I mean is that the best kind of trial because it's the only ones that I'm used to that is true that is true uh well today we're going to kind of be talking about just um ministry transition we're going to be talking about um what does it look like to do kingdom work uh, outside of the confines of the institutional church. And Joshua has a really um, interesting story about kind of how you transitioned from working in the church to working outside of the church, but how you feel like this is the direction Jesus led you. So yeah. why don't you start by just kind of unpacking your history, your background, and helping us understand the transition you made? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a youth pastor in Kansas City for a number of years um, prior to this current season that I'm in on now. And I absolutely loved it. It's one of those things that I grew up always praying and hoping I would do. It was a huge honor, all that good stuff. I absolutely loved it. But of course, it was still a job. So there was hard work involved as in every ministry position and every non-ministry position. Um, And so yeah, I transitioned to getting my formal education kind of as a result, actually, of one counseling session. So where I was on staff, the lead pastor was really stressing the importance of like therapy and counseling and addressing mental health needs. And so we offered like a free session to everyone on staff. And in my session, um, I like I just opened up and the counselor was like, hey, you seem really passionate about the school thing. Maybe you should do something about that. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. You know, like when God's like, hey, right. 
here's an opportunity, you should take it. And you're just like, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. um, and then shortly after that, doors just seemingly flew open for me mm -hmm. to finally go to um, Oral Roberts University. And so I took it. But even in that transition in and of itself, it's like, yeah, should I be leaving ministry? Like, mm. it felt selfish, so to speak, to like, stop impacting lives of teenagers and families to work on myself. Wow. Um, but I mean, like, it, like, God was in it. And so yeah. I would silly for me to ignore it. And so I arrived at in Tulsa at Oral Roberts in fall of 2018. Okay. And I pro my declared major was ministry, but something told me like that wasn't going to stick very long. <laughs> and so just after one semester, I happened upon taking a social work class, honestly. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, one of these classes is mandatory. I don't know what social work is. Let me do it. And so I yeah. did it. And in that one class, I was like, whoa, this hmm. is this is ministry like I haven't seen before and I'm here for it. And so wow. I, um, I dove head first and I just went in and was like, Hey, I think this, this matches my skill sets, my passion. Let's go for it. Let's go. Yeah. For it. So now I'm here about to graduate. Wow. Would you be willing to unpack some of those emotions and you, you kind of even hit on like the guilt you felt transitioning from this place where you're impacting teenagers and their families and you transition to this place of formal education where you're you're kind of there to one build yourself um, and your talents and your skills for this, obviously for the sake of serving the world but um, nonetheless there's that that maybe tension and, and guilt there right. um, maybe in in particular there's tension and guilt related to transitioning from like church ministry to a different expression of ministry. So what were some of the emotions and kind of things that you worked through in that time? Um, definitely, yeah, no, there was definitely guilt involved because not only was I leaving my church family, I was actually like leaving my family family because mm -hmm. a lot of us are rooted in Kansas City. And so it was really hard to walk through that web of feelings and emotions, but there was definitely a guilt there of I've been serving others. And so for whatever reason to stop, it seems wrong. Mm. I would not be serving them. And, you know, the whole idea of right. like, love your neighbor as yourself and all, like, it seems like everything yeah. in the Bible points towards serving others. And so for to do, to make the move to Tulsa and to think about doing anything else felt wrong. Mm. But at the same time, I knew God was saying to go. And mm -hmm. so I think it's one of those, it definitely was frightening a little bit because yeah. I mean, as is leaving your comfort zone. So yeah. even though in that season I was doing what I needed to do, I had grown, there was a certain level of comfort there that God was mm -hmm. trying to move me on to like, okay, new level unlocked, let's go over here. And so I will say specifically transitioning from declaring ministry as my major into social work that was a whole nother dilemma like that yeah. was like a month process or longer of like am I betraying Jesus like <laughs> I mean like yeah uh like because it's like everything I've known like growing up I knew I just wanted to help people and the people in my life that were helping people were pastors yeah. and so yeah. I made the logical conclusion oh to help people I must be a pastor and so mm. sitting in that classroom learning everything that social work encompasses mm. is is that you can help people in a variety of ways in a yeah. myriad of options. And I think 
one of the key things that really helped me take the plunge is reading Amos and how, mm. you know, justice needs to flow like a river. Yes. And that, and it's one of those, um, looking back in my ministry role, actually, there were moments where I would want to create community change, mm. but specifically the title of pastor gave everyone a second thought. They were hesitant wow. because they would think that I also had a hidden agenda to like, you know, oh no, Bible thump. Like, I mean, yeah. they're going to let me in, I'll bring donuts <laughs> for the kids and I'll slap them all with Bibles. And it's like, that's, I'm literally here for the well-being of your yeah. students. And yeah. so yeah. I was really grateful that um, I was able to create community change, but I was also aware of how many hurdles and loops I had to jump through that I feel were directly tied to the fact that I was coming from a church versus just, hey, I'm here to help. Yeah, one of the, one of the challenges being that schools think that for their students to get donuts, they have to sit through a Bible study first. Like the yeah. Bible study is the prerequisite for you to have a donut from us. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, you know, that probably comes from decades of um, just this posture towards evangelism that says everything has to come with um a proclamation and so probably a, a problematic paradigm um a little bit, a little yeah bit. talk about just the transition to social work I, one of the things we were talking about right before is how there is maybe a misunderstanding for what social work is um that people yeah. i think you use the term you use the phrase people think it's taking children away from their home uh which is couldn't yeah. be further from the I truth did. so no, no. Yeah, I did not. I did not leave youth ministry to become a child abductor. Like that is not what I signed up for. Yes. Um, but the way that I've lived and defined social work is that social workers are just professional problem solvers mm -hmm. that specialize in advocating for the vulnerable, regardless mm -hmm. of who that is. Yeah. And so what I love about my education is that it trains me to be equipped in a variety of different things. Like right now I'm carrying out my research um, specifically towards the need for more social services, specifically social workers involved in the immigration enforcement and service process. Oh. And, and then, but I'm also learning counseling skills. I'm also learning nonprofit management. I'm also learning how to lead small groups and large groups and all these other details like grant writing and mm -hmm. organizational psychology, like all of this stuff. And I absolutely love it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like social work is being a problem solver. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And thankfully it's an, it's a whole occupation and a profession that I can do specifically with the idea of serving others. And so there's many times when, especially when I first made the transition, I was like, Oh my gosh, I wish mm -hmm. the staff back home, could be in this class because there's there's not been a single class that I've taken or any step or project I've worked on that I didn't see a direct connect to my role in ministry. And I think I think God is really kind in that, that mm. whenever we're going from season to season, it's not like some train wreck of a like, okay, everything you used in the past, scrap that and do this <laughs> new thing. Like yeah. it's kind of like with Joseph to where it's like, God brought him through all of this and it all kind of led him up to this moment in the palace. And, and so it's like, 
everything he did organizing Potiphar affairs, I'm sure he used those same skills when he orchestrated things with the famine. And I'm seeing God have that same attention to detail in my own life mm -hmm. um, because things I relied on in my last season, I'm using in this season. And mm -hmm. I just think it's it speaks to how generous he is and thoughtful um, when he gives us each our role to play in the kingdom. Absolutely. So I'm, just, I'm really grateful for that. Wow. What would, you know, you came from an organized church situation and you've moved into kind of the social work field. What are some of the things you would want the church to know? Maybe first specifically with like the idea of calling or vocation or how you practice your ministry in the world. And then secondly, like just in relation to helping people, helping the vulnerable, serving our neighbors well. Oh, great question. Um, I'm gonna work backwards because okay. that first question, or sorry, that second question really uh, gets me like, oh, oh, <laughs> you, you want yes. me to, oh, goodness. So, mm. sorry, talking back to my research, um, mm. for it, we interviewed a bunch of service providers, specifically those who um, serve those who are living undocumented. And the thing that I learned the most is or one of is like mm -hmm. there's such a stigma there um a lot of the people living with this um challenge with legal status mm -hmm. are living in a fear and in a hiding because they're so like people have this horrible stigma and idea of who they are and so immigrants and people living undocumented have been demonized and criminalized to yeah. where they're being denied basic human rights and dignity wow. and so that leaves me beyond crestfallen Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if we're going to proclaim that we, that we represent the kingdom of God, we yeah. should realize like this is this this could not be more good Samaritan of a setup than anything <laughs> yeah. else I could think of. It's wow. like, hey, this person that culturally speaking you shouldn't get along with or you shouldn't care for, yeah. will you care for them? And so, and I'm just using the example of immigration, but like, there's so many things that people assume the church hates them because the church is inactive, which makes sense because we as the church are, we give this idea that, you know, we represent Christ, we represent the good in the world, the hope of the world. And if mm -hmm. our actions don't lie with that, then of course, they're going to reach a conclusion that feels erroneous. What's so interesting about the immigration question in general is how much time, especially in the in the law like Moses as he's creating yep. the Israelite people God is spe specifically speaking these um, rules regulations laws whatever you want to call it related to how the Israelite people care for the alien and the immigrant who finds themselves among them um, and it is like it is it stands out as um really unique amongst the ancient people because for yeah. human nature is you know we protect we build walls we set up like we want to just be ourselves and here's here's the people of god are called to tear those things down and actually welcome the stranger right. as friend and so it's so interesting that you know you can find church people um uh, really aligning themselves with a a politic that's really demonizing yeah. Um, and really problematic yeah and what's frustrating is like i'm reading some of the pentateuch right now mm -hmm. and it's just like all of these laws could specifically say 
do this. And this also applies to the foreigners living among you. Yes. Which yes. in and of itself suggests that God had the idea that you would be welcoming foreigners. Yep. Yep. But then on top of that, you'd be taking care of them. Yes. Like they're in your community and things yep. like that. And so it's really disheartening to see people that proclaim this title of Christianity yet mm. also speak against the foreigner, the vulnerable and things like that. Because mm. honestly, I feel like, and I, and of course I say this for myself, but really like I feel any role that anyone's living in, whether that be a custodian like I once was, or maybe you're an Instagram model, like I don't know other people's <laughs> roles, it's yeah. not mine. But like, I feel like as a social worker, I'm being more like Christ mm. than I would be if I wasn't. Mm. Because like I'm equipped now yeah. to make sure the changes and the investments I make in my community are long lasting yeah. versus before my, in my former role as a pastor, I was just uneducated on how to make that community change. Yeah. And so I still made the impact, but I feel like even now I can do so on a greater level. And so mm. I'm grateful for that, but that's just yeah. who God is. He takes us from one step to the other, regardless of this idea of calling that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Speak to that idea of calling. Cause it's, I mean, how many, how many youth camps have you been to that, you know, night number one is repent for you're a terrible person. Night number two is, you know, get baptized in the Holy spirit or get closer to God. And then night number three is like, okay, now where are you going as a missionary? What kind of pastor are you going to be? It's, and I, I say that as a pastor. So like, (laughs) I say it with a bit of like tongue in cheek, like, there were those incredible moments in which mm-hmm. I felt called and equipped. Um, but I know that that's not necessarily what God has in store for everybody. If we're all right. pastors, well, you know, there's not much to pastor. So right. um, yeah, talk to to that idea a little bit. Of course, of course. And I think because speaking to this idea of calling, like you said, how many youth groups have I been in? Uh, yeah. Youth camp meetings or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, I've recognized for a moment in time, I was called, so to speak, mm-hmm. to that one, night one, salvation, night two, baptism, night three, everybody is getting pasteurized or whatever. <laughs> That's probably not what that means. That has to do with milk. You it has to do it. with milk, but it, make, it works well in this case. <laughs> yes. And so like there, there's value in that. I know. Right. And before I speak to it, I always have to guard myself because I... Mm. I always have trouble, like me personally, um, Mm -hmm. honoring the past just Mm -hmm. because like what I'm doing now is new and shiny. I have to remember that the only reason I'm able to do right now is because God trusted me what was little then and now he's giving me a little bit more. So I have to make sure, I'm just really talking to myself there. But but as far as calling goes, I heard a pastor say this once. He's like, God is too creative to to confine you to just one calling. I was like, ooh, tweet that. That's great. And I'm like, hold on. Is it true? And Mm. so I thought about it. And um, it kind of makes me think of like, if you and I are hanging out, Alex, and like my phone is far away, I'm like, hey, Alex, can you pass me my calculator? Mm. And you're like, "Um, you mean your iPhone? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pass my calculator right quick. Like, Mm -hmm. if I'm using my iPhone only as a calculator, I'm doing it wrong. Like, yes. (laughs) The calculator <laughs> is a function yeah. of the right. iPhone, right? Um, but I really doubt most people are buying the iPhone for how much ever it is for yeah. the calculator. Yeah. So there are different times when I'll use a calculator, I'll use notes, 
I might even go old school and make a phone call, but like, wow, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's so many features to it. And I think mm-hmm. we kind of resemble that to where mm-hmm. like, if we're God's masterpiece, we have different things we can contribute to his kingdom. Yeah. And so um, I think it's important to recognize that our calling, if you mm-hmm. will, mm-hmm. is evolving. Like it's, it's yeah. not just one stagnant, this is what you're doing. This is what right. God expects you to do. Like, it's not, it's not corporate America. Like it's not, here's your job description, do this. And only this, you get to clock out at five. Like that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And so I'm just really grateful that God allows me to like go on this journey and this adventure to discover like, Ooh, this is what I'm passionate about. Oh, but, but I do think it's interesting because not too long ago I was in this discipleship course and they had us like write down all the major life events, both good and bad in Mm. our lives and like take a step back and look at it. And it's like, oh, okay. And two things that I've seen as major themes of my life is service. And so mm-hmm. like, no matter what season I'm in, I'm serving in some capacity. Yeah. So um, you and I, we even met when we were interns at our church. Like right. we were stacking chairs and like vacuuming, taking out trash and like, yeah, like that's not as um, stupendous as like mm-hmm. what we're getting to do now, but it's still serving. Yeah. And so, and then even now as I'm serving in social work, I'm actually like quite literally serving as a restaurant server to help like mm-hmm. pay for school and things mm-hmm. like that. And so it's mm-hmm. like, but at the same time, what's also been there is God's provision. So mm-hmm. he's always allowed me to, as I prioritize serving others and his kingdom, he's always without fail provided for me. Wow. And so I think it's one of those, instead of asking the question, what is my calling? What is my destiny? It's more like, yeah. what? what is my story right now? Like what has God Mm -hmm. done in my life up until this moment? And how does that align with where I'm hoping to go? Because I think the reason why I was so confident when I made the switch to social work is that all my good decisions before that lined up with this future decision I felt like God was doing. So yeah, Yeah. I think a a helpful paradigm that as you were talking, I, I, I remember hearing multiple times and studying is that we as the church community, as the people of God, have been given a general call. There's a general call to go and make disciples. There's not a Christian that is free. You don't get to go, hey, <laughs> I'm free from the Great Commission. I'm free from not, you know, investing in others' lives. And then there's the right. call of, you know, love God and love your neighbor. Yep. Um, and that there, Jesus doesn't go, unless you're doing this, this, or that. <laughs> like those are general, like, the calling to make disciples and to love our neighbor are general calls to anybody who calls themselves an apprentice to Jesus, anyone who calls themselves um, a person in the family of God. But then the specifics of how we accomplish those things can look in as diverse as the people that we are. Um, And so you, you kind of mentioned earlier, like, you know, whether you're a teacher, doctor, maybe an Instagram influencer, if you can accomplish the general callings within that vocation, it's a viable calling. I think maybe the thing we as, as the church need to have a a serious conversation with is if your occupation or if what you're doing right now prohibits you from serving others and loving your neighbor really well, then is it a viable calling as a Christian that we, uh, we are called to, um, you know, Jeremiah calls it bringing about the shalom 
like this idea mm. of peace and reconciliation amongst people um, that we are to be like the shalom and representing God's shalom. And so we've got to have a serious conversation about how do we do that? And uh, social work obviously is a really direct line to, to that <laughs> kind of thing. And now that you say it, it makes me think about why it was so appealing because again, I don't regret any hour, moment, or day that I was in full-time ministry at right. all. Um, but I think part of the appeal to it, and another reason why it was kind of hard to step away, mm. is because of that idea of occupation versus calling, so to speak. Yeah. Because when you're in full-time ministry, there's no conflict. Like, your occupation is also legitimately like finding lost sheep, bringing them in and yeah. hosting communion every now and again. <laughs> like, like, and so there was no question ever of like, am I in the will of God? And I think mm. that's what like being outside of traditional ministry has opened my eyes to. Like I kind of assumed mm. I was in the will of God because I worked at a church. Yeah. And now I have to be very more intentional. Mm. And, I, and I'm, I'm observing that now to where it's like, wow. I used to just be able to be like, Oh yeah, I'm probably I'm probably great with Jesus. I'm good. Again, I'm good. I work in the church. I work yeah. in the church. Like yeah. I couldn't like uh, one of my favorite right authors. It, he calls people who work at a church or traditional ministry professional Christians, and mm. it's like, yeah, no, I felt like a professional Christian. Therefore, I didn't have yeah. to do all these basic things. But um, I think now being outside of traditional ministry, I have to be. I feel like I have to be more aware of my personal relationship with Christ. Wow. I would say it's harder. And there's definitely times where I'm not as strong of a disciple as I'd like to be. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I'm recognizing I'm becoming a stronger one because mm -hmm. I don't have that built-in safety net of a, every Sunday through Thursday, I work for the kingdom. Like yeah. if I'm going to work for the kingdom, I need to do that very deliberately. I'd be aware of that. And so it, it feels like I'm using different muscles than I didn't have to use before. So. Yeah. And, and maybe one of the, the great temptations as someone who's working in a church is to make that assumption that everything I'm doing for the church is kingdom work, which wow, yeah. I think both, I think both of us would agree that that's simply not the case that uh, we as pastors spend a lot of time doing things that aren't necessarily um, contributing to the, the good of someone's life and to the good of our community. But sometimes it's maybe building a brand, uh, a personal brand or a church brand um, that can be a great temptation from and, kingdom work. And I think, ah, uh, oh, see, now you got me thinking, but <laughs> um, it brings me to the frightening part of scripture where People are like, we did this in your name. We did yeah. this in your name. And, God, and Jesus is like, I didn't know you though. Mm -hmm. So like, you can say, I hosted church on Sunday. I planted a church. I hosted youth camps. I let this child cry on my shoulder after the breakup. Like surely mm -hmm. that is kingdom work. And of course, none of those things are necessarily anti-kingdom work. Right. But if we're doing it without Jesus and we're not mm -hmm. like submitting ourselves to his actual call, yeah. We'll fall prey to good ideas all the time. Wow. Wow. I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. Cause that was, that was <laughs> so good. That was so good. 
Um, any like any final thoughts or just you know may, this is <laughs> this is a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but maybe like what things would you, do you wish um, the the church would talk more about when it comes to like issues of justice and poverty and um, serving marginalized people in our communities. Hmm. Man. Um, let's see. I, I feel like my first like heartbeat of it is like, it's not that hard. Yeah. And that's like multi-layered because yes, the work itself is definitely hard, mm-hmm. but I feel like people say things like, oh, I could never be a social worker because da 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 and they leap and skip to like the worst case scenario (laughs) and it's like yes Mm -hmm. the world in which we live is tormented by us humans Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're not all awesome however there's great beauty in humanity as well and so when I say it's not that hard I mean empathy is not that hard um because all of a sudden if if I'll, I'll jump back to when I served at the homeless shelter like it's a lot of people think, oh my gosh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was like, I mean, yeah, but if any one of those people was someone you cared about, you'd suddenly find this willpower to yeah. solve problems and create solutions that you mm. were like five minutes ago incapable of doing. And so the reason I say it's not that hard is because we just need to do what we can to see things through that lens of the kingdom of like, hey, this person was also created in the image of God. This person yes. is someone's son or daughter, mm-hmm. and maybe, possibly, I, if I haven't had the conversation with them, they could be a fellow disciple of Christ, or maybe yeah. future one. And like all of these things, it's like see see the strength and the potential in a person yeah. before we're just like, oh, I could never even fathom serving them. Yeah. Um, and then, as far as other justice things go, it's just like, man, can we go back to the simple things of like. I think of kindergarten. I remember mm-hmm. I made a best friend just because we had the same birthday. Yes. That, was, that was the only premise for a relationship. <laughs> it was not a strong relationship, like long-term, but it at no. least started us off in the right direction. And I feel mm-hmm. like, especially nowadays, we're quicker to find things that we disagree with. Mm-hmm. Like, in, like, let's take that same scenario. Rather than saying, oh, this person has the same birthday with me. I see all the people who don't have my birthday mm-hmm. and I just get upset. Yep. <laughs> like, that makes no sense. That yeah. makes no sense. And so it's just, I'm, I'm discouraged, but hopeful that yeah. where we as the church have allowed our name to be drug, mm-hmm. like we've associated with things that we probably shouldn't have. Yep. And, and I guess what makes me extra sad is that I have to say we, and mm. even though I might not feel personally responsible, yeah, people are still going to look at me as like, what are y'all Christians doing? Like, <laughs> and so I have to own that as well as like, yeah. hey. and so that's, that's what I feel about it. But as far as like, mm. maybe any last thing I could say is I definitely fell prey. Uh, that feels too strong. Cause like, again, my past seasons mm. were so wonderful, but and you could probably agree to this is we hyped the idea of full-time ministry oh, so much when we were young. So much. Yeah. And we, and it was under the flag of leadership, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I believe leadership is valuable and I'm mm-hmm. convinced I would not be able 
to do what I'm doing now without the years of leadership training I had even before I was a full-time minister. Right. So I think though, we should detach leadership in and of itself from like ministry. Like Mm. they're not the same thing, so to speak. It takes leadership to be in ministry. And as Mm -hmm. a leader, you minister to those you're leading. However, I think the reason I just assumed I needed to be a pastor is because no one said, hey, there are other options. Yeah. So I think we just need to recognize that disciples come in all shapes, color, forms, and service roles. And mm-hmm. so let's not be like, in order to be in ministry, I'm going to add that. Let's call it traditional ministry or something yeah. like that. Let's get yeah. a flag or something yeah. like a little italicized asterisk yes. or whatever. Because yeah. you're doing ministry there in Midtown and yeah. I'm doing ministry in Tulsa. But I just don't have a pastor in front of my name, but we're yeah. both doing ministry. That's what I'd love people to understand. One, one of the things, the way I process my role as a pastor is, is Paul, I think this is in, I think it's in Timothy, that he recognizes the role of pastor as equipping the church for the work of ministry. Right. That my role as pastor is simply the, the equipper. That means I'm, I'm the helper. That's I'm coming around and supporting someone else's leadership, someone else's right. vision, someone else's uh, desire to see their community transformed yep. for the gospel. I'm actually not the main, like if, if I process everything through the lens of, okay, everybody come around and support the ministry that I'm doing. That's a backwards interpretation of my role as pastor. I'm actually coming underneath and serving the church and helping others be agents of reconciliation, agents of justice, agents of change in our neighborhood and for their neighbor. And when we get it flipped around in which, okay, everybody come around and support the ministry that I'm doing. I think we inflate the ministry calling as the calling and it's, it's a problematic structure. Absolutely. Yes. Well, this has been a pleasure, Joshua. Thanks for joining us. I uh, have no doubt you'll be back. Um, Thanks for listening to the Midtown Church podcast and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Midtown Church Weekly Podcast. To find out more or to join a church gathering, check out our website at midtownkc.church.